0: Hello friends, welcome to your day, week, month, year reviews. I'm your host for the month, Troidal Power, and I'm here with an update on The Legend of Zelda, A Link to the Past. I've been playing this game on and off for about a month now, and I'm right up to the end of the game. From what I can gather looking online at strategy guides and walkthroughs, There's basically about 12 big set pieces in the game, and I'm right between number 10 and 11. Uh, If you're familiar with the game, I'm on the last dungeon in the Dark World, which is called Turtle Rock, and it sounds like, from what I've seen from there, I basically do that dungeon, and then I go deal with Ganon. I've been playing the Game Boy Advance version of this game, as opposed to the original Super Nintendo release, or the virtual console releases on the, I think both the Wii and the Wii U. Um, And I think the Game Boy Advance version is, is probably the best possible version for me to play because it works really well as a pick up and play game. The dungeons in this game are all compact enough that even if I can't finish a level in one sitting, like on a lunch break, it's really easy for me to pick it up again and play later without feeling totally lost in the dungeon. I remember having issues with that particular circumstance back when I played the 3DS version of Ocarina of Time. I think it was specifically on the Forest Temple, which is one that's always confused me every time I've played Ocarina of Time. Um, but I remember playing part of it and then having to stop, which you know happens with mobile games, and coming back to it later and being like, I have no clue where I left off on this. In Link to the Past, that hasn't really been an issue for me. Uh, everything is compact and cohesive enough that I don't really forget what I was doing. I have drawn a lot of comparisons to Ocarina of Time as I've been playing this game, and I think there's a couple of reasons for that. The first is that Ocarina of Time is still one of my favorite video games. Um, Majora's Mask is probably more a favorite, but I think I've played more of Ocarina of Time, so it's one that I've just spent a lot of time playing and thinking about. Uh, But on top of that, there's a lot of structural similarities between Ocarina of Time and the Super Nintendo uh, Zelda game that I've been playing. The actual way that the game works where you start out in an overworld with a couple of dungeons that you can go to and then once you complete those you get transported into a different format of the same world where everything's just a little bit askew and you have to go through another set of dungeons in that alternate world feels very similar in ocarina of time it's based on time travel whereas in this one it's based on this idea of the light world and the dark world but functionally it kind of serves the same purpose to give you two different worlds to interact with and it has the similar function of things that you do in one world can impact things that happen in another world. There's a lot of really cool interplay that happens between the light world and the dark world in A Link to the Past. I'll actually give you a specific circumstance of that a little bit later on here. The biggest downside for me so far of A Link to the Past has been that I just really don't feel inclined to explore the world of Hyrule presented in this game. Um, I think the biggest reason for this is that As soon as you start out in both worlds, it gives you the markers on the map of exactly where you need to go to get to each dungeon, or I guess specifically where the entrances to each dungeon are. Again, I'll talk about how uh, the entrance being marked doesn't always mean you know how to get there in a little bit here. Connects to that other story that I just teased about the light and dark world. Um, But because you have the entrances marked, I don't really feel inclined to explore as I'm trying to get to them. I compared this before to Breath of the Wild, where you have the the Guardian Beast marked on the map, but I explored a ton in Breath of the Wild, and I think the difference there is that the world was so much bigger that I had time to get sidetracked on my way to a dungeon. Whereas with A Link to the Past, while I'm sure it was impressive at the time, Playing it today, the world doesn't really feel that big. It doesn't take very long to run from one side of the world to the other. So when I finish one dungeon and have marked on my map clearly where the entrance to the next dungeon is, I don't really have time to get sidetracked between point A and point B. So I usually end up just going straight to point B without doing any exploration in between. It's kind of a shame because there's a lot of detail that's put into the world and exploring the world when I've done it has been really gratifying but because the entrance to the next dungeon is marked it feels like the game's pushing me towards a critical path and that makes it feel like I'm wasting time when I explore so whenever I get the urge to or when the game pushes me to go explore I'm more likely to use a guide to tell me where to go rather than going and doing it myself. I'm still having fun playing it that way. Um, It just feels more like the guide is putting extra markers on my map telling me where to go, instead of me wandering around and talking to people to find those uh, kind of extra options on my own. And like I said, I am still enjoying it because there's stories that are built into the game that are really pretty wonderful if you go and explore them. Uh, One early on that I did find on my own was a couple of brothers who were having a disagreement so much so that they put up a wall in the middle of their house. It was just a cute little vignette about these two brothers, and it was ultimately resolved, I think, just by blowing a hole in the wall they put in the middle of their house, which kind of forced them to talk again, and the game gave me a piece of heart as a reward. And there's a lot of little things like that throughout the game, just little stories that you can come across as you're exploring, and most of them are completely optional, which means a lot of them I've missed out on this playthrough just because I have felt like the game wants me to critical path through. There was uh, one I came across just recently, actually, uh, that was a required step, and I wanted to kind of give it to you here. This is my example both of the great stories that exist in this world as well as the interplay of the Light and the Dark World. To get to the last dungeon that I completed, Misery Mire, I had to find my way to a completely sealed-off section in the southwestern corner of the Dark World map. Since there were no entrances to this area on the Dark World side of things, I assumed I'd have to go there in the Light World and find a portal that would take me to the Dark World. I wandered around the desert that fills that corner of the Light World for quite a while, fighting off sand monsters and buzzards, and overturning every rock that I could find, checking every cave, and I was coming up with nothing. After doing a couple laps, I pulled up a guide that told me that I was in the right idea by looking for a portal, but that in order to get to the portal, I had to have a bird... Fly me to a specific section of the map. I had never had a bird fly me in this game, so I had to go look that up. And I found out that uh, it was really simple. Summoning the bird, you just had to play your flute. Cool. I didn't have a flute, so I had to look that up. Turns out to get the flute, you talk to this guy in the forest in the Dark World. He gives you a shovel to go dig up his flute in the Light World. You dig up that flute and take it back to him in the Dark World... Then he turns into a tree and tells you to go give the flute to an old man. So you go back to Kakariko Village in the Light World with the flute. The old man sees it and says, oh my gosh, that was my son's. Please play it for the birds. Then you take it to a bird statue. You play it in front of the bird statue. And the bird statue comes to life. And now you have a bird that will fly you around the map. I had no idea that any of this existed. It was really weird to... uh, have it suddenly be a requirement in the game when I didn't even know that it was a thing that could happen, and as far as I can tell, there's nothing in the game telling you that you need to do this to get to that dungeon. I do vaguely recall talking to the old man at the bar before, and I think he told me something about how his son's gone missing, and I definitely saw in the light world uh the same place where where The kid was in the dark world. In the light world there's like a ghost playing a flute for animals and whenever you walk to him he disappears. So I guess there was a kind of a hint there but thinking about playing this game without a guide you would get to this point and if you hadn't found the flute yet you would be entirely stuck until you just wandered into that forest grove and talked to the guy who told you to go dig up his flute. So it's kind of a weird uh, push towards exploration where The game isn't really encouraging you to explore based on how it puts the map together, but it kind of requires you to explore to actually make progress through certain parts of the game. And there are little things like that all over Hyrule. Now, this one's a little more developed since it's actually a required one to beat the game, but there's all sorts of weird, interesting stories, and it's absolutely awesome to stumble across them. I just wish that the game would have told me roughly where the dungeons were instead of exactly where the dungeons were. I think if I was given a rough hint about where to look for the next dungeon, I'd be more inclined to go to that area and explore and talk to people, check under rocks, look for explodable walls, whereas because I know exactly where the entrance is gonna be, I kinda just go straight towards it. Outside of the complaint about exploration, I'm absolutely loving this game. I've played a lot of the 3D Zelda games and only a few of the 2D ones, mostly the mobile ones. I did play the original Legend of Zelda on the NES a couple weeks ago and compared to that, the combat and the puzzle solving in this feel incredible. The 2D combat where you're swinging your sword feels way tighter than it did on the feel on the NES, with the sword actually going the direction that I want it to, and the different items feel like they're much more essential and useful than they did on the NES as well. Using the bow feels really good, the boomerang to stun enemies, the hookshot to stun enemies, and to maneuver around the world. Everything just feels like it has a very useful purpose. Whereas in the NES version, I could take or leave most of the items. And the puzzle solving feels like what I remember from the 3D games. In the NES one, most of the puzzle solving involved finding a block that you could push, or finding a cave wall to blow up that there was zero indication could be blown up. Most of the time I felt like the game just wanted me to guess for hours until I found where I needed to go, which caused me to need to use a guide within the dungeons really, really frequently. Over on the Super Nintendo version though, playing A Link to the Past, I'm rarely finding myself needing to use a guide once I'm in a dungeon because the puzzles actually make sense. It feels like the game is giving me the hints I need to get started on solving the puzzle and then putting it up to me to put those pieces together to actually find a solution. It really does remind me of what I've seen of puzzle solving in the later Legend of Zelda games. Um, I know that the series really did start on the, the the original Nintendo with the Legend of Zelda, but based on what I love about the Legend of Zelda series, it seems like this game is actually like the focal point for the origin of most of those ideas. I'm really excited to finish playing this game and to move on to replaying more of the Zelda games. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm going to go to Ocarina of Time next, which would be the next console Zelda game, or if I might go play the Game Boy Color game Link's Awakening, which I think would have been the next release chronologically, although I'm not actually sure about that. But I think it would be interesting to continue playing the 2D Zelda games, and then visit the 3D Zelda games later on. In any case, I'm happy to report that playing through this game, The Legend of Zelda Link to the Past, has only made me more fond of my favorite video game series. And that definitely wasn't true when I played the original Legend of Zelda on the NES a couple weeks ago. That one frustrated me. This one has been a lot more fun to play. Oh, and since I'm going to be beating this game very soon, you'll probably see an update here on the uh, YDWMY Reviews feed. I'm probably going to post just a short episode when I finish the story, kind of giving my final thoughts on the story at that point. And then you'll hear from me again in about a year with my thoughts on The Legend of Zelda A Link to the Past. Until then, I've been Troidal Power from Troidal Power Presents the Power Playthroughs podcast with Troidal Power, and I still don't have a sign-off for this show. forget to check out the other reviews going on ydwmy reviews uh we've got uh reviews going for mass effect andromeda grand theft auto san andreas starlink battle for atlas god of war and whatever games we decide to play next Hey guys, Tyler hopping in here to remind you that your day, week, month, year reviews is now on its own podcast feed. So this is going to be the last Troy episode that'll be hosted on the We Can Make This Work properly feed. So if you're enjoying it, make sure you head over to y d w m y reviews. That's what you need to search for in your favorite podcast app. And um, there's already some exclusive content over there that you can't find on the feed you're listening to now, like our Juno reviewing. Grand Theft Auto San Andreas, so make sure you check that out. Thanks!